Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to 90.3 KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. This is our last show before the November 2nd election, so although we normally deal with a lot of different topics like science and technology, and I'm, and I'm salivating to talk about the close-up Cassini pictures of Saturn, Saturn's moon Titan. All that sort of stuff is going to be set aside today as we're going to talk politics. We're not going to talk about uh, Ariel Sharon pulling uh, settlers out of the Gaza Strip. We're not going to talk about uh, the 380 tons of explosives that were missing in Iraq. We're not going to talk about how Gulf War ailments have now been blamed on toxic chemicals. We're not going to talk about how over in China... Colin Powell has surprisingly departed from the U.S. government's longtime One China policy, which is sort of a fuzzy acknowledgement of the fact that they ought to be together. Uh, people in Taiwan are not too happy about that. But you know what? All that's going to be set aside for next week and the weeks to come as we focus on the November 2nd election. So why don't we take a look at the presidential race with our good friend and resident pollster, investigative journalist, Jerry Polikoff out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Welcome back, Jerry. Hi, how are you? Like, nice to be back. This is our last chance to make the prediction for people on what's going to happen on Tuesday. Mm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let, let's try, though. Four years ago, in 2000, uh, I was on record as saying that Al Gore was going to win. And I he thought, did. Yeah, well, yes, and I, <laughs> I thought he was going to win 288 electoral votes. Well, if Florida hadn't been monkeyed with, he'd have won 293 electoral votes. So I, under, I underestimated a bit. And looking at my map in front of me right now, I'm calling it. Um, I'm calling it for Kerry, and I'm going to say 280 to 258. And we can explain why. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I agree with you. I, I, you know, if you look at the polls, I, I thought it was interesting. I was watching MSNBC uh, last night, and one of the programs was talking about how the, all the polls were looking wonderful for Kerry, and. Uh, one of the other programs uh, was saying how the polls look wonderful for Bush. So you, yeah. people can read them any way they want to, and they do. Um, really, you know, if you look at the polls right now, the national polls, there's no consistency. Rasmussen has been showing a movement in the last few days uh, towards Kerry, and, and uh, Democracy Corps has shown Kerry ahead all, all along. Zogby is showing the opposite trend, where they had Kerry ahead and then started showing Bush ahead. Uh, the tip poll is showing uh, Bush significantly ahead, but less so than a few days ago. And, a tie, and they're showing a tie among registered voters. Gallup, as usual, is showing Bush ahead, but uh, it was eight points, and now it's five points, and uh, a dead heat among registered voters. Well, you and I have been saying all along that these polls seem to be, in many cases, politically motivated. And in the last, the last well, week or so... Well, I'm not sure they're politically motivated. I think they have a methodology that... that uh, certainly favors the Republicans, and they, they, it, the, all of the internals that we've seen on these polls show more Republicans than Democrats, even though we know that that's not the way voters turn out. The Democrats in the last two uh, 
presidential elections have turned out between, at between four and five more percentage points than the Republicans have. Right. So when you get these polls that are showing the uh, four or five points more Republicans than Democrats, it just doesn't make any sense. And yeah. the thing that really interests me, there was a uh, an analysis the other day of the uh, Ipsos AP poll, um, and they, they analyzed just who the new likely voters were. Well, they're, they're overwhelmingly young, 64% are under 35, and they're going for Kerry by 60 to 35. Now, you know, those people aren't represented for, I think they're very underrepresented in the polls. That's a, a demographic that... Uh, usually only 30% of that demographic turns out to vote. I don't think right. that's the case this year. Right. Um, well, let's and when say- you look at the state polls, you know, I mean, Florida, almost all the recent polls in Florida show Kerry ahead or a dead heat. Definitely moving towards Kerry because almost all the polls showed Bush ahead two weeks ago. Well, let me, let me try this one. See if you, see if you agree. I'm going to give our, reader, our listeners a, a very, very brief thumbnail description of what I think is likely to happen which is we're going to repeat 2000 very closely with a few states switching. I'm thinking that uh, I'm just going to go out on a limb. Wisconsin seems to be very close. I'm willing to say that Wisconsin might go from Kerry to the Bush column, but I think that that's going to be balanced off by, by Ohio probably coming in for Kerry, which is a net gain of 10. If the election of 2000 were held again today, it would be 278 to 260. Uh Kerry has to pick up 10 more electoral votes than did Al Gore. I think he's going to pick up New Hampshire, and I believe he's likely to pick up Arkansas, and I believe that Ohio-Wisconsin thing may be a net 10 to him, so I'm calling it 280 to 258. You know, I I think you're pretty close. I don't agree with you about Wisconsin, by the way. And, and, you know, one of the things I found interesting is the Zogby poll, which is the only one that uh, waits for party affiliation, uh, is calling it 52 to 44 for... um, for Kerry at this point. And, and interestingly enough, the Zogby poll is showing every single state, every single battleground state going exactly the way it went four years ago, with the exception of New Hampshire, which is now comfortably in the Kerry camp. Right. But several of the states that they're, that they're leaning towards, um, towards Bush at this point are one or two points. And that includes Ohio. That includes uh, Florida. And most of the other polls, interestingly enough, are giving Florida and Ohio to Kerry. And in my opinion, you know, based on the younger voters being underrepresented and the Democrats being underrepresented, I think most of those polls are understating Kerry's uh, numbers by at least two or three points. So I see a dead heat as, as, uh, as an edge for Kerry. Well, I, I would be inclined to agree with you. I'm quite shocked to see that Rasmussen has had such a lead for Bush all along has narrowed of late. Um, I'm, I'm somewhat disturbed by the fact that Zogby has said it was Kerry's to lose, and yet in the end, his overall polls did put Bush ahead. His last poll nationwide did put Bush ahead. But I agree, in the end, it's likely to go to Kerry, even in spite of the fact that I suspect down there in the sunshine state of Florida that there's going to be some hanky-panky and that by hook or by crook, uh, no matter what <laughs> Kerry seems like he's likely to do, he's going to lose. It's going to be tough for Kerry to win Florida. Uh, somebody said he'd have to win it by 5 million votes to win it. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's possible. I think people are very energized. Um, I just came back from Florida, and the early uh, they have early voting there. Uh-huh. It started several days ago. The early voting turnout is huge. The word is that the early voting is going heavily, for, according to the media down there, and I guess they're doing exit polling. Um, Interesting. Early voting seems to be favoring Kerry by a large margin. Interesting. You know, and let's not forget one thing. There's a wild card that, that uh, isn't being factored into any of these polls, and that's that historically 
in a presidential election, the undecided vote tends to go to the challenger because the mindset is the undecideds don't like the incumbent and haven't yet been sold on the uh, challenger. And when they get, actually get into the voting booth, they tend to side, they tend to go for the challenger. So that undecided vote yeah. is very likely to go, you know, at least 60-40 to carry. We're hearing estimates of 15 to 20 million more people voting this year than last time. Mm-hmm. So Let's also not forget that the, most, the highest turnout we've had in recent years was uh, in 1992 when, uh, when Bill Clinton uh, upset uh, George Bush the first. Yeah, but there was Ross Perot to, to muddy up our prog- well, that, prognostication. That's true. Yeah. It was a, a high voter turnout. Well, I'll tell you what, about a week from now, we're going we're gonna to be able to see how, whether we're right or wrong. But I'm I'm saying 280 to 258. Do you you want to pick a number? You just want to say you you're going to go know, with Kerry. You know, I think you're pretty close. And the other wild card is Colorado, by the way. That's true. If if Bush wins Colorado, but they split the electoral votes, that could put the three or four more in the Kerry column. And 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 that could go to the Supreme Court. Going to be a court challenge if that if that happens. Yeah. All right. Well, Jerry Polikoff, we've been trying all along to get people some accurate poll numbers. I think we've done a decent job. Uh, I've seen a lot of stories in the national media that were kind of like things we'd been talking about before. So I feel pretty darn good about what we've done. I do, too. And, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting, and it may be a nail-biter. But, you know, we're both calling it for Kerry, and I think we're right. All right. Well, we'll, <laughs> we'll find out. All right. Thanks, all right, Jerry. Thanks. We'll talk again. Take care. Well, we should take a look back, I think, uh, to the last time this country was, uh, I think, so excited about an election. To my mind, that was the election of 1968. An awful lot took place in that year. Lyndon Johnson, the incumbent, withdrew from the race. He was challenged by Senator Eugene McCarthy and Robert Kennedy. Robert Kennedy was tragically assassinated in June of that year. Hubert Humphrey, Lyndon Johnson's running mate, became the standard bearer of the Democratic Party after he edged out George Wallace, the Alabama governor. George Wallace then ran as a renegade third-party candidate and did very well. He carried five states south of the Mason-Dixon line. Richard Nixon prevailed in a rather close election. But it was known at that time that uh, the future of the nation's political races would hinge upon what happens in the South. And in fact, since then, no Democrat has won the presidency without being a Southerner, i.e. Jimmy Carter and Bill Clinton. We'd recommend you go to the website 270towin.com to follow what happens on election night. You can actually go back and follow the history of American elections back to George Washington. One thing you'll note, from the stolen election of 1876, when the Republican Party cut a deal with the Democrats to... (laughs) basically deny Samuel Tilden the presidency, the man who rightfully won, and instead install Rutherford B. Hayes in the Oval Office. For several generations after that, the South voted Democratic solidly. Well, starting in the 1960s with Barry Goldwater running well in the South against Southerner Lyndon Johnson and then George Wallace's run in 68, it's been a change ever since. The South has gone Republican. On this program, Senator Eugene McCarthy told us that this can be attributed to the civil rights actions of Lyndon Johnson in 1964 and 1965, which alienated what had been the solid Democratic South and turned a lot of people against civil rights 
over to the Republican Party, where they have remained ever since. The last Democrat to win the White House who was not from the South was John Fitzgerald Kennedy in 1960. We, uh, we spoke to Senator McCarthy a couple days ago about this upcoming election, and he said that he thought uh, that prognosticating would be a complete guessing game on his part. At any rate, he's more interested in the fact that there seems to be a chokehold on American politics by the two parties, and that he, uh, for, for many, many years, has advocated that, um, that that be stopped, that it is basically unconstitutional. The two parties have basically seized control of the reins of government. In that, we, we agree with Senator McCarthy and hope that after the election, we can bring him back on to talk at length about what, uh, what needs to be done, no matter who wins uh, on Tuesday. I think this nation does have a need for a little more democracy, meaning um, a spreading of power away from the two parties. It's rather, rather disgusting state of affairs that, uh, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, that this country is so gerrymandered between the two parties that safe seats have been carved out for a Democrat here and Republican there, and that uh, in, in the House, every two years, there are very few seats that are even challenged. Lines are drawn in a very haphazard, screwball fashion. Uh, consider this. Uh, it's not a congressional race, but consider the fact that in the, in the uh, state Senate here in, uh, in California currently, uh, in Davis, you might vote in the race, the contested race, the, the, the well-watched race between Senator Mike Machado and Stockton Mayor Gary Podesto. You are voting along with people in Stockton. Now, you have to ask yourself when you're drawing a line, what kind of political boundary includes Stockton and Davis in the same district. We're going to try and assess some of the state races in our second segment today, and we're going to also, before this show is out, uh, see what we can do to tackle all of the propositions which uh, plague your life when you enter the voting booth uh, uh, next week. But uh, our focus in this first segment is on uh, the big enchilada here, uh, the, the presidential race, and, and I think we should probably go at this point to America's foremost political comedian. Joining us now from our nation's capital is a man who is a sworn enemy to tyrants and despots everywhere, America's foremost political comedian, Will Durst. How you doing, Douglas? We're doing fine. How are things out in, uh, in D.C.? Well, D.C. is not a purple state, but I guess we're close <laughs> to a purple state because uh, there's a lot of ads on TV, a lot of scary ads. Both these guys apparently are the personification of Satan. <laughs> to hear them tell it. Now, Virginia, I guess, is still in play, they think. So I guess you're seeing a lot of uh, spillover from the, the race there in, 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 uh, in Virginia. Yes, I got to see my wolf ad for the first time. What is that? Well, that's where the wolves are circling. And uh, John Kerry is, uh, thinks that uh, terrorism is like a nuisance, but the wolves are coming. There are wolves out there. And they stare at the camera, and then they start coming towards it. It's a very good ad. And and, and Carrie is, is offering the wolves apple pie, I presume? Yes, <laughs> and Chevrolet. <laughs> I was hoping that, because uh, when I first heard about it, I had no idea. I thought it was the Wolfowitz ad. I thought Wolfowitz was a bunch of Wolfowitzes out there. Is there a sense in our nation's capital that, uh, that uh, there may be an administration change? What's the mood? Uh, I think the mood is... Uh, <sighs> Cautiously optimistic on the Democrats' part, and uh, 
kind of in emergency mode on the Republicans. Uh, I think they see a trend uh, going that uh, we are not aware of, or the polls are behind. But uh, the Republicans look really defensive, and uh, of course, you got to remember, I thought Mondale had a shot. <laughs> so I'm not the best judge of this stuff. <laughs> is, uh, the big news, of course, has been of late that uh, Chief Justice Rehnquist is in is in health problems, and I guess this is focusing attention back on who the Supreme Court nominee may be. Is that is that is there a buzz about that? Yeah, there's a there's a big buzz about the the Supreme Court in general, and uh, this is going to put the choice back into play on the on the election table. But uh, you know, I read something that people who are worried about the Supreme Court justices. Uh, are pretty savvy voters, and they've already made up their decision. So this <laughs> this pretty much uh, for all the undecideds, I mean, <laughs> the people who can't tell any difference between Bush and <laughs> Kerry, uh, the stupid people are not really going to be affected by this. What about this fact that uh, Doonesbury today was having a very funny column about uh, about Bush being wired during the debates? Are they finally talking about this in Washington? Well, you know, there's talk about this, and there's also talk about uh, it really doesn't matter. I mean, everybody's talking about the bulge under Bush's jacket, and Bush said uh, it was, he was on Good Morning America yesterday or today, I can't remember, but he said that it was uh, an ill-fitting shirt, (laughs) (laughs) which caused a rectangular bulge in his jacket. (laughs) You, You can't make stuff up like this. What uh, what what takes you out to Washington? Um, pitching a pilot for a little TV show out here, and uh, that's what I got to do tonight. I got to do my little dog and pony show in, in front of possible investors and programmers. Well, that's that's good news. <laughs> yeah, let me think. What are its chances of actually succeeding? Uh, slim and none. Well, for a political comedian, of course, uh, you have a sort of a stake in what's going to happen here on Election Day. Uh, do you have any predictions? Uh, I predict that we won't know. Actually, actually you know what I think is going to happen? I think uh, the Democrats are going to sweep so soundly that they will take back uh, one of the houses of Congress as well, if not both. That's my prediction. But you got to remember, I also predicted Dukakis was going to win, so... <laughs> <laughs> My track record is not that good. I, I'm I'm sorry to, to hear about this. Uh, to hear this. <laughs> yeah, we're worried that Kerry's just a two-syllable word that rhymes with Larry, but means Dukakis. Everybody's looking to the fact that um, you know we may have uh, a, a call that's not made by election night. This may stretch out for weeks, like last time. Yes, and once again, California will be the fulcrum of America's industry. Oh no, maybe not. Yeah. Well, you know they're dragging out Clinton. Yeah, what do you what do you think about that? Well, he crawled out of his sick bed for crumbs' sake. He pulled the Kurt Schilling. There's blood leaking under his sock. Um, I don't know. It's a gamble, you know, because his positive ratings are are higher than uh, either Bush or Kerry. But uh, you know, you run the risk of reminding people of. Well, you know, I mean, does the term "have a cigar" have any meaning here? So. Um, you know, you got to balance that. Is he more of a walking billboard for peace and prosperity, or the healing powers of fellatio? So, uh, but uh, the Republicans are uh, are not standing still in this uh, celebrity war thing. You know, the Democrats got uh, Springsteen and John Bon Jovi and Dave Matthews, uh-huh. and Clinton, 
and now the Republicans are trotting out their stars, uh-huh. which are uh, Schwarzenegger and Giuliani and Wayne Newton. <laughs> You're forgetting Lee Greenwood. <laughs> That's right. Mr. Family Values. On his sixth marriage, is it? <laughs> really? I think so. Fifth, it's at least fifth. All you got to do in America is say you're something. You don't actually have to be it. All right. Well, we should refer folks to your website. That's www.willdurst.com for more information. And you've got uh, a new a new CD out. Yes, and it's available at laugh.com. All right. And when, when will we see you next in our area, in Northern California here? Uh, I think I'm in SAC first week of December. All right. Well, Will Durst, you'll be watching it. We'll be watching it. Uh, we'll see what happens next Tuesday. And I think no matter what happens, there's going to be a fertile field for political comedy for some time to come. That's right. I, I have been granted gold standards on both sides. All right. Will Durst, thanks again for appearing. We'll talk to you, hopefully, when you're uh, about to make uh, another appearance locally. Thank you, buddy. All right, Remember, sir. vote or die. Okay. Yes, Will Durst is uh, America's foremost political comedian. In fact, let's take a couple of clips off his most recent CD for you. You know, they call it a coalition. But we all know it's not a coalition. It's 140,000 Americans, 200 Brits, and one Aussie to keep the beer cold, and that's about it. <laughs> you got Blair and you got Bush, and you couldn't have two more divergent personalities. You know, you listen to Blair... We fervently believe and extremely confident that our contention that Saddam possesses voluminous amounts of weapons of mass destruction will eventually be borne out to a decidedly drastic degree. And then you hear Bush, bring it on! Either you're with us or you're against us. Come on! Who wants a piece of me? It's like good cop, drunk cowboy cop. And what's his plan to get us out of the deficit? What's it, yeah, what's his plan to get us out of our, our fiscal policy? Tax cuts for the wealthy. Dude, you're giving money to the rich. Rich already have money. That's why they're rich. Poor don't have any money. Give them the money, give the rich a hug. Well, see, you don't understand fiscal policy. We get the money to the rich, then they spend it, it'll trickle down to the poor. No, they're not gonna spend it. They're gonna hang on to it. That's how they got rich. All right, we got a lot of ground to cover today. I'd like to mention the fact that uh, Mark Bosler, our news director here at KDVS, um, provided me with a recording he made of uh, of uh, the appearance of Ambassador Joseph Wilson and Dr. Robert Arnott at the Mondavi Center. We're going to excerpt uh, some of that for you in the weeks to come, I think. Um, should George Bush be reelected, then uh, the matter of the outing of Valerie Plame is going to, I think, go on to the front burner, and the issue of what happened to the ambassador's wife uh, may reverberate in American politics much as the Watergate burglary did after the 1972 election. Let's take a short break. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax, and you're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. Serious drive. Now you make the scene all day. 
But tomorrow they'll be held to pay. 